Welcome to Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs wrapped up the next phase of off-season training activities with the conclusion of the three-day rookie minicamp. Practicing with the team over the weekend were the six draft selections, 17 undrafted free agents, 40 tryout players, and a handful of others. Chances are the draft picks and two or three from the free agent pool will make the team. Chiefs beat writer Brooke Pryor and I are here to break it down. Brooke, is it time to make Super Bowl plans based <laughs> on rookie minicamp conclusions? No, you know what it's time for is aloe. Uh, <laughs> we just spent three days outside for, at what, at least two and a half hours a day watching 72 guys, um, eight of which may be relevant, Yeah, maybe 10. Eight to 10. Eight I, to that's, 10. A, that's a good number, eight to 10. I will say it was a strong class of rookies at this mini camp um i think andy reed said as much we listened back to the audio a couple times trying to figure out if he was saying that this was the strongest class that they've ever had in rookie mini camp or if the wide receivers were the strongest among the groups at rookie mini camp but i think after listening to it a couple times he was trying to say that this group overall is one of the strongest that he's had um if not the strongest that he's had and i think that um i mean yeah they they looked like rookies. We were not watching an NFL practice, but we right. were watching some guys try to figure it out. And it's hard to get a, it's hard to get a sense of linemen, you know, right. off, offense and defensive linemen at rookie mini. They are big humans. That's what we've learned. That can uh, that can hit pads hard. They can hit the uh, blocking pads pretty yes. hard. And um, really, for me, and I don't know how you felt about it. For me, when I go to these um, non-padded practices, really. The, the only judgments there are with the, the, the arm strength of quarterbacks who aren't going to be part of the team, uh, wide receivers, their, their ability to catch the ball. You really can't even tell from running backs. You know, uh, everybody looks fast, right? Right. Everybody looks fast. Everybody looks like, well, I'm trying, I was going to say everybody looks good, but that's not true. Um, everyone, it, it's hard to judge because it's just the same level of talent for the most part going up against the same level. There were some people who separated themselves. I mean, I think about running back Darwin Thompson. Um, he looked really fast making some cuts. But again, they're not wearing pads. They're not really hitting each other. So it's hard to tell exactly what that would look like against a better, you know, a real NFL defense. Um, but I, I thought he was impressive. Wide receiver Cody Thompson, one, another UDFA. Uh, he looked really good. Um, John Lovett was really intriguing. The Princeton quarterback turned tight end H back, uh, who was going through things on a limited basis as he was getting over wrist surgery. Um, Jamal Custis, he's a guy that signed, you know, got a hundred thousand in guaranteed money from the chiefs, which is really, yeah, pretty unusual for, I I think it was Adam Schefter who tweeted that. That's the most that an undrafted uh, rookie free agent has signed in two years. Chiefs are just his like position. throwing money around. Um, but what, it, what to me, what that also says is, uh, when I asked Andy about this today, about did the the, the undrafted free agent uh, wide receivers look good, I was trying to get to the point that they might. I mean, they they need they might need guys. They at that they position. will need guys at that position, regardless of what happens in the Tyreek Hill situation. That depth is pretty depleted with the departure of Chris Conley. They don't uh, add back to Anthony Thomas. Um, so you've got Sammy Watkins, who was hurt for a lot of last year, Demarcus Robinson, maybe Tyreek Hill, Garrick Dieter. Uh, it's not 
exactly an A-list class of guys that that you feel good with with depth and everything else. You know, Sammy Watkins, premier wide receiver, but he has an injury problem. Yes, he does. Um, and so you can't really hang your hat on that. Demarcus Robinson was good in bit roles throughout the year, but you don't really want to hang your hat on that. And when you've got the NFL MVP, reigning MVP as your quarterback, you kind of want to stock that group with some more talent. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right that that was a huge priority in the undrafted free agent group. And that's why we saw Cody Thompson, Jamal Custis, John Lovett, um, who are some of those other receivers. I've got got my list right here. Uh, yeah, if you hear paper shuffling, we're, we're going to our Andre Lindsay, <laughs> Andre Lindsay, another wide receiver. Uh, Jameer Jordan. Uh, Michigan State kid. Who was the um, – there was one from Michigan State, and I know that because Adam Teicher was cussing him a, a few times. Uh, <laughs> Wore his Michigan State hat to make sure he could get the good quotes. But anyway, but you're, you're, you're right. I mean, there, there are um, – uh, th- that was the maybe the one position group that you Felton could Felton ide- Davis Felton Davis thank you very much that you could identify as or at least make a call on just I, I thought Cody Thompson made some diving catches um, uh, th- that were pretty impressive uh, Custis you you know I look they give him that money I I think he's going to be with the team when I, we talked you about would think so two- otherwise he just pulled off the best hustle of all time <laughs> very good that's nice uh, the other. Uh, one of the other aspects of, of rookie minicamp is we get to know the draft picks a little bit better because each of them come to the podium, spend, I don't know, five to seven minutes talking to the media, probably for some, maybe for the first time in that kind of setting. Uh, and and we, we got to talk to all six of them. And let's hear from one. Let's hear from Darwin Thompson, the the running back from, from Utah State. I, I thought uh, he was really interesting. And uh, and I know you did too. You mentioned that a lot of what you do is for the people that, that you feel like you're inspiring. Have you heard from a lot of them since you were drafted? Definitely. It's a lot of kids that just will either stand 5'8 or just from Oklahoma, just shorter guys, or just being from Oklahoma in general. I mean, when people think of Oklahoma, they think we ride horses on the street. I got family <laughs> in California, they think we got carriages and horses. Uh, so just people with single mothers, things like that. Like, I plan to give back. That's one of the main things I want to do is when I was younger, I didn't get my first pair of cleats until I had soccer cleats my first pair of cleats. That next season, I had to wear the same pair of cleats. So when I have enough money, I want to buy that first pair of cleats for kids that come to my camps. That way they have their first pair and everybody can afford it. But I definitely plan on giving back to the kids. So what'd you make of Darwin? I thought he was uh, pretty genuine. Yeah, I think genuine is a really good word for him. And he's someone who, when we talked to them on the phone after the draft, we all kind of looked at each other like, oh man, he's got a good story. We're pumped about this one. A uh, kid from Jenks, uh, Oklahoma in the Tulsa area doesn't have any offers out of high school. And he's modeling his game after Adrian Peterson and DeMarco Murray. And he just wants to be that, that running back. Uh, and then he He's a three-star composite guy, according to 247. But he has to go to NEO, uh, Northeastern Oklahoma A&M, for two years. For th- actually, it was three. For three, it was three he, you're he right. Had to, he had to redshirt his first year in junior college. Right. And to see how often do you have a guy that redshirts his first year in junior college and ends up being an NFL draft pick? Uh, not so many. Exactly. And he, I mean, this is a this is a small guy. He's five eight, two hundred pounds. He's small in stature, not necessarily in bulk. I mean, this is a guy. Okay, say what's, it. what's he called? Rocked up, uh, rocked up bodybuilder. Uh, I believe I described him as having a chiseled physique. Um, 
which is correct. Uh, we all saw his traps, which he was very proud of. He started those in junior junior of high school and said they've never left since. Um, I don't I didn't know that that was a thing. Uh, I thought that. But anyway. Um, but yeah, so this guy, the thing that I thought was interesting, I think I don't know if you asked the question or if someone else asked the question, but essentially, was he more was he told that he couldn't do it? because of his size and kind of what's he fueled by. And he said, I'm less fueled by the people, my haters, and more fueled by the people who I inspire, the kids that are, you know, five, eight and below and kids from single mothers and um, kids from Oklahoma. And I just thought that that was, I mean, a, so genuine, like you said, um, and just a guy that like you have to root for. I mean, he has, you know, he's coming out of Utah State, not, you know, typically a program that you think of when you think of producing great NFL running backs. Um, unrecruited guy at a high school, smaller guy. Poor. I mean, obviously poor. poor. Yeah. I mean, with the cleats. How about that? The, the exactly. Soccer saying, cleats. Saying he grew up, pick. yeah, for two that he wore for two years. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a guy, and, and he looked really good in rookie minicamp. Granted, again, it's rookie minicamp. What can you really take from that? But – he, um, I thought he was pretty impressive. They had, they had him back returning kicks and and punts. Now I think he told us that he had he returned it. kicks yep. at, at Utah State and, and maybe in junior college, but not punts. Punts are a first for him. But again, that's another position to keep an eye on as the Tyreek Hill development unfolds. Tyreek, they you know he started out as a punt returner and a kick returner for the Chiefs. They took the kickoff returns away, so he's just been returning punts the last uh, couple of years. But who knows, whatever his future is with the Chiefs, the, 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 the team might be in a market f- for a, um, a new punt returner. Now, the guy who uh, was returning punts with the, uh, with the ones was uh, their, their, the first player that they drafted in the second round, McCole Hardman. And, um, and he was a topic at uh, the, the final day of rookie minicamp. He was. He, I, I thought there was – what I saw from him as we were standing out there in the heat the first couple of days were – one too many drops. Yes, that was that was kind of the story of the first two days. Was he dropped a lot of maybe a lot of punts. maybe nervous or what do you could think? Could be um, because I think then the takeaway from today was he looked much better. He was absolutely. I didn't see. I he may have had a drop, but I didn't. There wasn't a glaring one versus the first two days. I remember every time I looked at him, it felt like the ball was on the turf um, or the grass or whatever it is that they're practicing on. Um, but that was one of the big things that Andy Reid talked about today was that he was most impressed by his improvement and the way that he kind of picked on to things quickly, um, pick, picked up things quickly. Um, that the first time he saw him run a dagger out, it was brutal. That was, was the word. what he said, brutal. Um, that's twice. Why, twice. <laughs> he he really emphasized it. He wants you to know that it was not pretty. Um, and then he did it again and did it again and did it again. And with all those reps, he finally started to get it. Um, and so you can tell, I mean, he's a rookie. I'm sure his head's swimming. This is a complex playbook, and he's just kind of working through these things. He's not coming into the league as a clone of Tyreek Hill. You know, they they liked him for his Tyreek Hill qualities on the field, um, but it's going to take some time for him to get there. And I think that's what you saw him kind of working through during minicamp is he has the speed, but he needs kind of the nuance of the position, and that's what he's starting to learn. So I think McCole um, Hardman and Darwin Thompson were, were two players just by virtue of the position that they play had the greatest opportunity to impress uh, at, at rookie minicamp. Defensive backs also have an opportunity to make plays. Uh, and, and we did see uh, we, we did see an interception on Saturday. It was Saturday, yeah. Waited three and a half hours. 
the la in the last team activity in the last team drill, Juan Thornhill, bless his heart, came through for us, gave us all something to write about. That's why you stand out there for all that time. And one of the, uh, as, as I said earlier, we, we do get to know the, the draft picks a little bit better because of the interviews they, they bring him to the podium. And so Juan Thornhill was another one of those that, uh, that we got to talk to. He was, in the, he was also uh, he was the Chiefs' second pick in the second round and second overall for the Chiefs. I thought he had one of the, uh, one of the better anecdotes. Uh, his first meeting with Chiefs fans – uh, occurred before minicamp started, and here's what he had to say about meeting Chiefs fans for the first time. Honestly, it was really great. I got here, then I just thought I was gonna have like some press conferences, press conferences, and meet the coaches and things like that. But they was like, we're gonna go over to the stadium, we're gonna meet some, a little bit of fan, not too many. And I went over there thinking, like, okay, this is gonna be a few. It's not that bad. I walked in, it was just so many fans. I was like, oh my, because like I was, I was, I'm not used to talking in front of a lot of people like that. And then I had to go up on stage and, and basically give like a little speech in front of them, but it wasn't bad at all just because of the fact that, I mean, you say one thing, they're going crazy in the stadium and they just love you. So, I mean, it wasn't bad at all, but it was a great experience. Did some fans know you already? Did some fans know you already? Were they recognizing you? or, or I, mean, I walked in and fans were like, hey, how you doing, Juan? Things like that. I was like, I didn't even know y'all would know who I was, but I mean, it's great that y'all know who I am and I'm happy to be here. So, they knew his name. They did. They did know his name, and he was shocked by that. It's like, but you're an NFL player now. You know, I know you haven't officially made the team, but, you know, you're a second-round pick. Uh, not only do they already know your name, they've been studying you for months. Uh, I mean, he's a guy that the Chiefs have liked for a long time, really versatile safety. And so when you're going through all these mock drafts, I mean, he's he was kind of a dream player for a lot of Chiefs fans. So, of course, they knew who he is. Um, but I think that that has to be such a great moment to be – um, in that position to know, you know, go from what feels like a relative nobody, uh, at least as far as, you know, NFL fans go, to being recognized. And he's giving a, a talk on the stage, saying hello to all these Chiefs fans. Um, and it was it was funny because when we talked to him right after he got drafted, it was kind of a dry interview. I don't remember coming away from it being like, oh, well, we've got so much to work with here. But he was super animated when we talked to him Saturday, and I think we ended up talking with him for like over eight minutes. Yeah, um, he was he was he was great. He he seemed to be comfortable in the environment, which which is good. Uh, now it's a matter of being comfortable in the secondary, which is what the Chiefs really need. Yes, I I do think I think you and I talked about this in our uh, as we were standing out there that I I think we kind of agree that. Of the six drafted players, he may end up with the most snaps yes. of anybody. Um, let's assume Allegretti doesn't start at, at center. I guess that's still you right. know a he possibility. And Al- he and Austin Ryder, I think, are going to go head to head for that. Yeah, for that so, job. so maybe among the defensive players. Yeah, um, maybe more than Fenton, who I see is um, he's a special teamer. A special teamer, maybe a third or fourth cornerback right. for, for the depth. He'll get some work in the preseason. Uh, absolutely, he will. <laughs> hey, absolutely. I think that Juan Thornhill right now projects as a day one free safety starting out there with Tyron Matthew. Um, that's kind of the way that, that I think the Chiefs see it. Um, obviously, he's going to have some better in competition. I mean, Dan Sorensen is still there. He's going to have to deal with um, Jordan. Um, I can see his face. You know what? My brain could not be more fried. Jordan Lucas. Lucas. I was saying in my head it was Lewis, and I was like, I know that's mm. not right. He'll have Jordan Lucas to contend with. I mean, there's, there's a couple guys that he's going to have to beat out for that spot. But if he – 
keeps making plays on the ball the way that he was making them in rookie minicamp, I think that that's kind of where he's projecting to be right now. You know, I, I may be wrong. I probably am. But I, I, I think the last rookie, def- defensive rookie to start for the Chiefs was Marcus Peters in 2015. Well, it's fitting then because they have the same jersey. They do. In fact, um, I don't. I think when that question was asked of Juan the other day, did uh, he was asked about his uniform number. He wore 21 in college, and he was looking for 21 when he became a member of the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is funny. Who has 21? Because that was Stephen Nelson. And Stephen Nelson Nelson is, was 20. I think oh, Mer- Eric, 20. Eric Murray was tw- was 21. So regardless, it the seemed, number seemed is available. It seemed to have been available, available but he, he had a little change of heart and said wanted to kind of take a step, right? Take right. a step in his career, move up a number. So he goes from from 21 to 22, which was the Marcus Peters number for for the Chiefs. And look, that worked out. Marcus Peters was was a phenomenal rookie. Had I think he had eight picks that year and uh, was the AFC Defensive Player of the Year. So uh, I don't I don't think we're ex- anybody's expecting that from from Juan Thornhill. But I agree. I, I think that he has the, the the opportunity to start. The it's a position of need for sure. And I think the Chiefs need to get starts from their from their draft class. Mm-hmm. They just do. I, the economics of football are such that you know when the when the players are at their least expensive when it, when it comes to salary, um, you got to play them and get production out of them. So I I, I do think we'll th- we'll see Thornhill start on the defensive side. Yeah, and I think that's something too that the Chiefs draft class last year didn't really have that. I mean, it took Breland Speaks a while to be a starter, um, and even then he was really just starting as a replacement uh, for Justin Houston. Um, and then, I mean, Derek Nadi eventually became a starter, but a lot of those guys that feels like they drafted last year ended up being more developmental projects. And I think they need more NFL ready guys out of this class. And it seems like right now that they have that, which is a real Testament considering that they didn't have a first round pick because of the Frank Clark trade. Right. Um, and so I, I think that at least right now, it seems like the chiefs have a pretty good draft class. Dorian O'Daniel was another one from that class mm-hmm. last year. And and people keep talking about how um, Armani Watts was coming on before he had the season-ending injury. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. But but that's right. I mean, they they didn't get a ton of starts from from the draft class last year. And I, I just think that for, for a team to develop uh, and, and for the Chiefs to be the team that they want to be, they've got to get – well, that position is just important. And mm-hmm. they've they got to and, – and to be able to work with Teran Matthew, uh, as, as, as you said in the story, as a complimentary player mm-hmm. – I think this defense will be able to help bring Thornhill along as a you know as as a good player. Um, one other position position group we should talk about though is linebacker. Um, and I spoke with Gary Johnson today, the the free agent, uh, the rookie free agent from Texas. He's pretty stoked about being here. He said he's had conversations with Derek Johnson almost every day from the time that he. Hey, that's helpful. Yeah, you know, the career tackle leader for the Chiefs, both Texas guys, you know. Both uh, Johnsons. Both Johnsons. That's right. What uh, uh, if if they weren't only fifteen years apart? You know, <laughs> uh, they'd be twins. Uh, so, you know, the Chiefs did not address the linebacker in in the draft. Sure did not. Uh, so it looks like they tried to do it. In, free, in, in rookie free agency with Gary Johnson and also the Middle Tennessee State. Darius Harris. Who, who did not practice uh, with, out with an injury here, but the Chiefs are pretty high on him. And I think look for him to be part of this organization going forward. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm really interested to, to read your Gary Johnson story that's going to come later this week. But, I mean, it, I, think he, I think he looked good. He was running, I think, with the second team on defense yesterday and bumped up to the first team today, been running first team on special teams. So he could – maybe he's this year's Ben Neiman. 
that's how the Chiefs kind of addressed the linebacker uh, position last year was through undrafted free agency. So we'll see. Okay. So what's coming up next for the Chiefs? They, they're off for – Week and a half? Week maybe, and a half. Maybe a little uh, bit less than that. Yeah, the rookies, I believe, return in a week. Uh, I know that when we walked off the field today, the last thing that we heard from the PR folks was see you for phase three, which kind of feels like it's like a brainwash thing, or <laughs> I don't really know, uh, maybe like a Star Trek situation. I don't know. Fa- just hearing see you back for phase three sounded like kind of ominous. Uh, om- ominous? Ominous? Ominous. Ominous. Let's go with that one. Whew, that sun today. Uh, <laughs> it sounded evil. Um, but yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll come back with OTAs next Thursday, I believe, and then we'll get to see some of the, the big boys come out, the yeah. vets, yep. and whoever then, chooses to show up. Right. That's always a story, whoever, whoever decides to be here. Uh, and there's, there's a, another week of that the following week. Uh, I believe we have three OTA three, practices, one a week for three weeks, and then the uh, the mandatory camp yeah. in mid June before they they close it down for yep. for the for the summer for where they get their what fifteen minute summer break before yeah. training camps. No, it's actually about three three and a half weeks, I think. So, all right, Brooke, I guess that'll, that'll do it for today. All right, well, thanks for thanks for coming in, stopping by, and we will continue to follow your coverage of the Chiefs in the Kansas City Star. Links to the stories we discuss can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Thanks for listening to Sports Beat KC, and we'll talk sports again soon.